Welcome, beautiful people, to Growthology Podcast. I'm Lorena, and I'm a licensed mental health therapist that is very interested in the science behind all things well-being and growth. And I am Monica. I'm a working mom, a wife, currently a college student, and I'm just an everyday person who's trying to live a happy and healthy life. In our podcast, we discuss topics like personal growth, wellness, mindfulness, and emotional intelligence, and hopes to grow a community of positivity. Hello, beautiful people. Today, we're going to cover what is self-esteem, what we do when we struggle with low self-esteem, and how we can improve self-esteem, and why it's so important and impactful in our lives. First off, what is it? What does it mean? It's basically confidence in one's own abilities and one's own worth. A big piece is self-respect, and it's defined by having confidence, security, a sense of identity for yourself, a sense of belonging, and a feeling of just being competent. We're going to talk a little bit about our own journey. So Monica, what do you feel like your self-esteem journey And what's your perspective on self-esteem? What's that been like for you? I would say in general, when it comes to self-esteem, I'm pretty comparable with most people and I relate with most people. I want to believe that most people struggle a little bit when it comes to Mm self-esteem and definitely like becoming a young adult and developing that self-confidence. I know when I was super young, in my early 20s, I was very timid and very quiet, Mm -hmm. which is a little bit of a huge difference compared to now just because, Mm -hmm. I mean, I would attribute a lot of that really to the military Mm -hmm. for having me, I guess, find better ways to compose myself. But I would say I started out very timid and very quiet. Yeah, and that's interesting you say that because I think we were both like that Yeah, when we met and, you know, in boot camp, obviously, we were always afraid and scared. And and then even in tech school afterwards, you and I were both still very quiet, wanting to lay low. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of interesting to see that we were both at the same spot and then we've both evolved so much since then. Mm -hmm. Despite having taken different career paths, you stay in the military and I discharged and got out when my six years were up and I kind of found my self-confidence and my voice in college and in the jobs that I got after college. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really interesting because I definitely see that in both of us in that time in our early 20s, just being so shy. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, we did meet in a pretty intense environment where people were Mm -hmm. like screaming at us and banging on doors and yeah, (laughs) (laughs) being woken up in our sleep and not knowing what the heck was going on. Right. (laughs) So you said college really helped you. In what ways do you think college helped you versus the military? I think getting out of my comfort zone and specifically because of my field being in the social work field, we're Mm -hmm. expected to be very social and be very comfortable around other people. And that wasn't the case when I first got in the field, but just from all the education and all the practice both in the classroom and out of the classroom and internships and 
in group work within the classroom i think just little by little doing it so much i just became more more comfortable with it and even when i was in the military i didn't really feel that and yeah. i don't know if it's because i was in the guard and not active duty but i'm not with my coworkers monday through friday like you are you know i only see them one weekend a month and i just always kind of felt like i didn't fit in with the military culture so right. i think that's why it was hard for me to feel like oh i have a voice here because i i never really had that sense of identity i did feel it in boot camp and in tech school but after that i kind of lost it mhm like that community yeah yeah that sense of community mhm and i think that really relates to how secure we feel and how much confidence mm-hmm. we feel in what we're doing. Yeah, and I think that we both have come a long way and even looking back to when I was a kid and just getting into my teenage years, I struggled a lot and I remember crying and I got to the point of self-harm due to the negative thoughts that I was having as well as issues with depression. I can't really pinpoint when or how it improved. But I know that it's been a very long journey. I can't attribute it all to just school, you know, but it's obviously been a mix of changing my situation with the people that I have in my life and building healthier relationships and healthier habits and with the help of medication as well, but I just feel like the teenage years are so hard and early adulthood I feel like so far that's like the hardest period of life at least for me personally and also i see it for a lot of the people that i work with um it's just very confusing at that time yeah i i agree those years for me were pretty sad mm-hmm. yeah that's basically the best <laughs> same sad <laughs> that's just yeah. a, a simple like just the perfect description it was just sad yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would even now like I don't think I know how to dress. <laughs> so like Still I'll trying try to figure things out. I'll try to be dressy or I'll have one nice outfit and then after that it's just tank. But I don't think I realized I was lower income until mm-hmm. like I became an adult and actually was able to like pinpoint where I am in society and yeah. I went to so in elementary school and middle school I was in low like lower income communities mm-hmm. and being white right like that mm-hmm. was rare and then when I moved to San Diego it was a predominantly white school and mm-hmm. I saw significant financial different situations that I haven't seen mm-hmm. before people's parents had like million dollar homes and wow I thought I was cool because I was able to live in a suburb type neighborhood and then there are these kids that I was going to school with that had hairdressers mm-hmm. and all these things I've never even thought about uh, let alone like college opportunities and stuff like what that. What a like, culture shock. Right. Yeah, I, it was a huge culture shock. And I would say that that made me feel for the first time less about myself. Like I mm-hmm. like you don't realize that you're low income or poor until you're around people that have more. Right. If you're around people that are also low income, you don't really have that perspective of being able to differentiate that your situation is different from somebody else's. And I can definitely, I definitely can understand that because the same thing happened to me when I moved to the United States from South America. 
Mm-hmm. You know, what we thought was having a lot or fancy was poor here. And I'm like, oops, right. <laughs> perspective. <laughs> For sure. I mean, I remember one of my friends came home for the first time in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And this was my white suburb area. And Mm -hmm. I was so proud. I was like, can you believe it? It's almost like we're rich. And then she Mm kind of looked at me and like laughed. And then I went and I saw where she lived. I felt so embarrassed (laughs) (laughs) because I was like, I wasn't like in my mind, I thought we had stuff. And then I see that there's a whole different playing field (laughs) that I wasn't even on that level. Right. We're like, dang, we have a good, we're doing well. And then you go to a friend's house and everything is different. (laughs) Right. But yeah, so recently I was actually diagnosed with a condition, a skin condition called vitiligo. That has been interesting in regards to self-confidence and self-esteem. I think if I would have found out I had this younger, I probably would have reacted a lot different. So Mm -hmm. for those who don't know what vitiligo is, so it's a skin disease or an autoimmune disease and it affects the color of your skin and its pigment. There's currently no cure for vitiligo and the effectiveness of how the treatment goes just kind of varies. But I can see this. It's on my skin. I have spots that are white. You can see this when uh, you see white spots on my skin and I have white hair. I have a few white lashes. So on my eyebrow, half of my eyebrow is now white. So it's going to slowly spread across my body. That's It's been an interesting journey that I've been dealing with in the last month and a half. But I think what I've leaned on the most is just gratitude. I'm just super grateful that I'm healthy and Mm -hmm. I don't have skin cancer and kind of leaning on a lot of the things we talk about in this podcast. So just like gratitude, being present, worrying Mm -hmm. about the now, not worrying about how much is it going to spread? What am I going to look like in the future? Yeah, And also with my complexion, it's not like it's going to be super noticeable and I think there's like a huge positive movement in going in that direction so I'm happy to be a part of that and I think if I was younger I probably would have felt a lot different Mm -hmm. but ultimately I know my worth and I know who I am I'm seeing this more as an opportunity for growth rather than a setback yeah to make me feel you know a certain type of way yeah and that's that's a kind of another way that we can talk about perspective like your perspective on this has been so positive and the way that you can think about it has been so good for you but also probably the people around you because that's pretty motivating for others that might be complaining about something that's no big deal and then they see you and they might think oh well maybe I would have reacted differently if I was in her shoes or I would feel this way or that way and your outlook is is such a healthy outlook yeah Have you found yourself doing a lot of research on it? Yeah. When I first had an idea of what it was, I did Mm -hmm. binge a lot of web, what is it, a WebMD? Yeah. (laughs) The worst. Yeah, it literally is worse. But once I found out there's no deficiency, so my biggest concern was my diet. Is like, is this because I'm vegan? Am I deficient? And Mm -hmm. that's not true at all. People just get vitiligo. And actually, there's a lot of research that shows being vegan can help. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. 
I think it's just something that I just have and there's not a lot of reasoning. It could be stress related. It could be genetic. Mm -hmm. It could be the air is really dry here and my skin reacts to it. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to pinpoint it. Yeah. A lot of people, they'll do treatment, but it's Mm -hmm. just, it's like 50-50 if it'll work or not, Mm 50-50%. And I'm guessing... It's not covered by insurance or it is? So it would be for the military. Oh, good. Yeah, so they would cover it, but I decided to not go forward with treatment. Mm -hmm. And that's just because some of the support groups that I've joined, I saw a lot of people that were still dealing with self-esteem and Mm -hmm. how they felt about themselves. And I didn't want to keep putting time and effort into hoping that my skin is going to be cured and yeah get back to the way it was mm-hmm. and then just get disappointed right. and i felt that i would rather invest it into accepting and mm-hmm. just loving myself than trying to accept this new part of myself because it's not easy yeah it definitely has its struggles but i'd rather deal with that than have to start that when i've accepted it you know? Yeah. And I think that it's really wonderful. I've always admired this about you, how vulnerable you are and how open you are. And I think that that's something that I'm learning and I'm learning that from you and seeing you do mm-hmm. that. And I think it's especially powerful because you have a young daughter and she's going to see, you know, mommy like, hey, mommy has this thing that makes her look a little bit different than other people, but she's happy. And she doesn't talk negatively about herself and she still loves herself. And I think that's such a huge part of childhood development, especially young girls seeing older women being okay with the way that they look no matter what. Yeah. And having that self-love. For sure. I mean, she's, I mean, now that I don't fill in my eyebrows, she definitely mm-hmm. sees it and she likes it. She says that, you know, I like your eyebrow or I like your brow. Yeah, that's cute. <laughs> and she'll rub her brow and I'm like, oh, thanks. I can see her being like, can you make mine that color too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. Well, I do have to attribute some of that to you because I know that I've always been notorious for like, oh my God, I'm so stupid. That's just how I talk. Mm -hmm. And you're always like, Monica, stop doing that. (laughs) I know. I'm like really good at yelling at people for when they talk down on themselves. I always call them out on it. And I'm like, nope, you will not do that in my presence. (laughs) Right. And that's awesome because I think we all do that. But we yeah, shouldn't. Definitely. We all need to be called out on it. And I think I call people out on it because I also want to be called out on it. And that's kind of been like a thing with Sean, my husband, and one of my good friends here that I see often. I mentioned this in, in other episodes, but whenever we say something bad about ourselves or negative or we make yeah. each other say three positive things. That's cool. I started asking them and then they, when they caught me, they would do it to me. And at first I was like, oh no, like this, like you're working my thing against me. But then I'm like, no, it's good. Cause then it, like you just, with time, you start to not do it as much. Right. On to some of the, the research that I did for this podcast. I found a really good Mayo Clinic article where they talk about how self-esteem 
really begins to form in early childhood. And I think that makes total sense in the sense that we've talked that that's when we really started struggling with self-esteem. And factors that can influence self-esteem are our own thoughts and perceptions. That's why it's important to work on not having that consistent negative self-talk and putting ourselves down. How other people react to us. So that's why who we have around us is so important. And when we're children, we might not, well, we definitely don't have control over that, you know, like, we might have parents that are abusive or live in a pretty like high crime area neighborhood, and we might see things that aren't healthy for our developing minds. So definitely how other people react to us and treat us experiences at home, school, work, the community, really any kind of social aspect of our life. Another factor can be an illness, a disability, an injury, our age, our role and status in society, and media messages, things that we Mm -hmm. might receive from magazines, from social media, things like that. And I would say both genders really suffer from societal pressures and media pressures on what we're supposed to be. Definitely, yeah. Everybody gets unrealistic expectations and, like you said, pressures of perfection or the ideal look or the ideal behavior or whatever it might be. Right. And according to mind.org, your self-esteem can affect whether you like and value yourself as a person, whether we're able to make decisions and assert ourselves. So people with lower self-esteem tend to have a difficult time making decisions and we might second guess ourselves a lot and not trust our skills or our gut. It can affect our ability to recognize our strengths, our ability to try difficult things because if we have low self-esteem, We're not going to think we're able to accomplish certain things and we might stray away from even trying new things at all. It makes it difficult for us to show kindness towards ourselves. It makes it difficult to move past mistakes without continuously blaming ourselves. So instead of being able to make a mistake and acknowledge it, And then move on and say, okay, I made the mistake. I learned from it. People with low self-esteem struggle to move past that blaming stage and struggle with accepting that everybody makes mistakes and that's a normal part of life. It's also difficult for people to take time for themselves. So self-care, they might not think that they deserve it or might not just see it as an important part of life. People with low self-esteem believe that they might not matter or they're not enough, and they might not believe that they deserve to be happy or have good things happen to them. So one of the parts that really stood out to me, which we haven't really hit on, is Mm -hmm. when you talked about... so. It goes so much deeper than just thinking about how you look. It's also how Mm -hmm. you treat yourself. And you did mention a little bit about self-harm. Yeah. How would you say those two things correlate and relate? In terms of self-harm and how we treat ourselves? Right. And having low, so someone with low self-esteem is Mm -hmm. more likely to have self-harm. Yeah. And it goes hand in hand with that, that belief that we might not feel like we deserve happiness 
or deserve whether the self-harm is coming from a place of I I don't deserve to get help I don't deserve to or we might feel like if we seek out help we're bothering someone or I don't want anybody else to have to deal with my pain so I'm gonna deal with it Mm -hmm. myself in an unhealthy way so that right. goes back to the belief of not feeling like we're worthy of seeking any assistance. Right. And I think a lot of people apologize when they're venting. Yeah. Like I can't say how many times somebody vents. And I'm sure you get this all the time because we have people vent to you <laughs> Monday well, through yeah, Friday. Yeah, that's my job. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because my patients will say, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm complaining so much right now. And I'll just be like, "Um, that's what I'm here for. Like, this is your space. You can use it however you like. If you want to complain or call it that, because I would never tell them that they're complaining. And I don't see it as complaining either. Because mm-hmm. so many people only have therapy as a space to be open about what's truly going on in their life or feel like this is the only person I can trust or whatever that that is. But yeah, I do hear that a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know I hear that from everyone. And I'm pretty sure I've Mm -hmm. said that. (laughs) I felt guilty for Mm -hmm. showing too much of my feelings or like you said, I think it's like sharing that burden. You feel like you're sharing your own burden with other people and you don't want to do that. Yeah. And we might say, oh, well, they have so much going on. So I don't Mm -hmm. want to burden them. Yeah. But then I always ask people, well, if your friend had something going on, would you tell them, hey, I have too much going on. I don't want you're burdening me with your problems. Right. And I've never had someone say, yes, that's what I think. No, right away, everyone's like, oh my gosh, no, I if, if they're my friend and they're someone I care about and love or you know, a loved one, whoever they might be, I want them to tell me what they're going through no matter what I have going on. Right. So then I'm like, well, then treat yourself the same way. <laughs> exactly. And I know when people tell me, you know, whatever's on their mind and they're like, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I'm venting to you. I think of it as, no, you're carrying a boulder on your mm-hmm. shoulders and you need to share that weight with people. Mm-hmm. And you're not burdening me. It's you're helping yourself too. And, you know, we're all here for each other. Yeah. And then just obviously the importance of those, those social bonds, our ability to be there for other people that's going to make us feel good as well. Mm-hmm. And knowing, okay, they feel a little bit better because they were able to express themselves. Right. So some signs of healthy self-esteem are having boundaries with people and our ability to say no. I think that's a huge one because I have a lot of people in my life that say yes to everything and then they get burnt out and then they're not taking care of themselves because they're so busy saying yes to everybody else. Another sign of healthy self-esteem is our ability to accept our both our strengths and weaknesses and being okay with that. Knowing that there's an area in my life that I struggle with and saying, okay, I accept that I might not be the best at this, but that doesn't mean that I'm less than. Or it doesn't mean that I can't still work on those weaknesses. Our ability to express our needs, a firm understanding of skills, so knowing what our strengths are and our ability to put those skills into practice, our ability to maintain healthy relationships, and 
another sign of healthy self-esteem is those that have healthy self-esteem avoid dwelling on negative past experiences. So like I mentioned previously, someone that can move past that and not have it ruminate in their brain consistently. Signs of low self-esteem, on the other hand, those that have trouble accepting positive feedback, if you feel extremely uncomfortable when someone gives you a compliment or you hear that compliment and you don't believe it at all, the belief that others are better than you, having constant intrusive fears of a failure, self-doubt, like I mentioned previously, difficulty making decisions, and someone that ruminates on negative past experiences. I've definitely heard people having a hard time accepting compliments. Like, I'm like, oh, you're very attractive. And they're like, no, I'm not. I'm not attractive. <laughs> and then it's like, what do you say to that now? Like, all right. <laughs> right. Or my, I think my least favorite one is, I don't know what to say to that. Like, um, I don't know. You're welcome. Or thank you. Like, you just made it so much more awkward than it had to be. <laughs> right. Like, uh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, like, just say thank you, and that's it. Right. But now it makes me wonder, like, maybe it was coming from another place, um, you know, that they weren't ready to accept that. Because I think you do, like, you have to love yourself to hear other, to let other people love you. Mm -hmm. I also read a bit on having too much self-love being a negative thing. Like a narcissist? (laughs) I guess. I mean, obviously, that's not a good thing. But where I was reading it, it just said that self-love piece. And I'm, so that's the part. I'm not sure that I 100% agree with that statement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like it makes more sense in seeing it as if you feel you're perfect, then you're not working towards improvement or learning. Mm-hmm. Which there's always more room to learn and improve. And at times it could come off as off-putting if someone is too into themselves. But that sounds more like what you said. That sounds more to me like narcissism and arrogance mm-hmm. rather than calling it too much self-love. Right. Well, I think like anything, there's always an extreme of it. Yeah. Whether it's loving yourself <laughs> stop loving yourself so much you gotta hate yourself a little (laughs) just so darn cute what can I say (laughs) okay we've talked about what it is we've talked about our own experience and what it means to have healthy and or low self-esteem and healthy self-esteem so I think what listeners are probably the most interested in is how to improve self-esteem and that's a question that I get a lot as a therapist and it's one of the most loaded questions I get because there's no clear or short answer for it it's a lot of work and it takes time and most people You know, most of us struggle with patience and when we're ready to have something change, we want it now. So a a lot of people get really frustrated and feel like, well, what's the magic sentence? What's the magic pill? And there really is no one thing that's going to improve our self-esteem. But some of the things are our awareness of the negative thoughts we're having. So what are the triggers to when we feel low or when we feel bad about ourselves? Whether that's our own negative thoughts, finding out where those negative thoughts are coming from, 
Are they, I highly doubt they're completely internal, but that's not impossible. Is there people around you that are making you feel this way? Is there some unresolved childhood trauma that's making you feel this way? You know, really kind of like untangling the roots and the web of you're at where you're at in terms of your your self-love and your self-esteem. Then it would be challenging those negative thinking patterns. And there's tons of research uh, on that out and, and tons of things that you can do. Cognitive behavioral therapy is a big one one for that because it's it works on changing the thinking patterns that you're currently having and challenging the what's currently going on in your head the use of positive self-talk I really love mantras there's so many good mantras out there um, and I usually encourage people to pick one that they really love and then have a few other ones what's a mantra it's a saying that you can oh say to yourself like either a word or a sound that's repeated. It's originally for Buddhism and Hinduism, it's usually a, a word, a sound uh, that helps to aid in concentration and in meditation. Oh, wow. I have a hype song. Does that count? Yeah, <laughs> yeah whatever works. Like, like an example is like, I'm strong and I can do this. I believe in myself. I got this. Awesome. I didn't know I have a mantra. <laughs> So what is it? Okay. <laughs> it's uh, Lose Yourself by Eminem. Oh my gosh, that's so, hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's about you got one single defining moment and are you going to capture it or are you going to let it go? Yeah. <laughs> so anytime I, I do like a speech or I'm about to do a presentation or sometimes just when I'm going to work, I'm just like, okay, yeah. this is my shot. I can't jack it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I usually say like you got this or it'll be over before you know it. So I guess I use mantras when I'm nervous or anxious about something. Okay. Not so much about self-esteem, but when I get anxious about something that's coming up. Mm-hmm. Oh, and have you heard that because you said a song it made me think of that song that's really popular right now by Tech 9 uh, and The Rock. It's about drive. It's about power. <laughs> no. Well, that's not what I was thinking. <laughs> Wait, but do you know the song? No. Oh I may gosh. have to look it up. I'm sure you do because it's like so popular right now. Yeah. I thought you were going to say the I am woman TikTok. Oh, no. Thing that everybody's doing yeah, that I've yeah. done. I may have done. <laughs> <laughs> I might have done a thing. <laughs> I might have done that. Wait, if you're on TikTok, then you definitely know the song because it's all over TikTok. Okay, send it to me I'll when send you find it. it. To you. Yeah, I'll send it to you later. <laughs> okay, so like I said, the mantras, positive self-talk, and then practicing self-compassion. So I usually will recommend that people don't say anything to themselves that they wouldn't say to a loved one. Because mm-hmm. the way that we, we down-talk to ourselves sometimes, if we say that out loud to someone else, we would be like, wow, I would never say that. That sounds terrible. So use that same guide. If, you'd, if you're not going to say it to your mom, to your best friend, to your kid, you know, anybody that, that you always want to be kind to, if you wouldn't say it to them, don't say it to yourself. Oh, I love that one. I had that one written down too. So now I got to find another one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just noticed that. <laughs> So some of the things, I, I mean, I would say we, we kind of hit on a lot of the same, 
that I have on my list Mm -hmm. as well is stopping that cycle of negative self-talk. And that's related to CBT, uh, CBT, CBD, what is it? CBT. (laughs) CBT, CBD, not related to CBD. (laughs) I mean, it might help. Who knows? They say it helps with everything. Yeah. (laughs) I really like gratitude. I feel like gratitude and empathy have helped me through the most randomest things. Same. I I feel like that's my go-to for everything. I'm like, Oh, you got a tummy ache? Gratitude. Oh, right? Gratitude. Oh, you broke your foot? I have something for that. Gratitude. (laughs) That is so true. And just like not being so hard on yourself. I know my husband tells me all the time when I'm like, oh, this outfit looks so stupid. He's like, you're so Mm -hmm. hard on yourself. And we really are. We really are hard, hard on ourselves. And we need to give ourselves some slack. Yeah. And I think acceptance too, that you're not always gonna have, if you're someone that is okay with self-esteem, that doesn't mean you're always gonna feel that way. And I think that we sometimes like, it kind of goes back to comparing ourselves to other people or images on social media or other types of media, just because someone seems like they have it all together. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, everything is perfect. That's not reality. And we have to remind ourselves of that, that No one is going to be in a positive state of mind 24-7. Right. We're all going to have our our down days. You know, I think I have pretty good self-esteem overall now, especially compared to my early 20s, like we said. Mm -hmm. But I still have days that I'm like, oh, I feel so ugly today. And I'll put on 10 different outfits and I'll tell my husband, like, I just feel so freaking ugly today. Like nothing I do is going to help. And I'll I'll be like, I hate everything I have in the closet. I hate the way Mm -hmm. I look. I hate my hair. But then I I get over it. You know, I like accept that that's the kind of moment I'm having. And then I try to move on and not let it linger. Right. And that's awesome advice. So my last listed recommendation is... I have to listen to audiobook, list an audiobook because that's what I do every day of my life. <laughs> so my current audiobook is Mindset and it's the new psychology of success. So we did talk a, a little bit about how we think of things. Mm-hmm. So this correlates a lot with that mindset and switching your mindset from a negative thought pattern into mm-hmm. that productive. You talked about like having that growth mindset. Yeah. So this book really depicts each one. The It's mm-hmm. called a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. And mm-hmm. I just thought it was really inspiring and I had instant epiphanies. So if anyone's yeah, that's interested. A, I love that book too. Oh, yeah. You've read it. Of course you have. <laughs> I, well, I listened to it on yeah. Libby. Okay. It's awesome. It's been yeah. great. Yeah. It was such a good, like everything just felt so helpful. And I think it's one of those books that we could listen to or read like every now and then because it's good reminders. Right, for sure. Like it's good, solid advice. Mm-hmm. If any of the listeners don't know, Monica, you use, what do you use to listen to the audiobooks? I listen to Audible. So you listen to Audible. I use Libby, L-I-B-B-Y. It's an app that you can connect to your library card. So if you have a library Mm -hmm. card, you can just log in with your library library card number and you have access to a bunch of free audiobooks and ebooks. Oh, wow. I didn't even know about that. Yes, because you know I'm too cheap to uh, (laughs) subscribe (laughs) to anything that I have to pay for. (laughs) Right. 
for sure that's I'm awesome like hey send me that book you have <laughs> mm-hmm. that's cool i didn't even know about that yeah i actually learned that from a client oh wow yeah, she they, told me about people it people know everything tell I me know. your secret <laughs> well that's what's awesome that we can learn from anybody new things mm-hmm. thank you everybody for listening to this episode and i hope that you got a lot out of it and you're able to take you know at least one piece of information that can start to practice and improve your self-esteem if that's something that you struggle with and you know even if you don't we're we're always going to have people in our lives whether that be our friends family children in the future if you have children right now teenagers kids in their early 20s these are some really good tidbits um, that can be helpful for someone because I think that you and I would have really benefited from knowing this 10, 15, 20 years ago. (laughs) For sure. And remember, stay growing. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Just look up at Growthology Podcast, no space.